Here we are again, Ollie. Nice to see you. And We're to going see you to chat. Too. We're going to have our usual little uh, vent of our feelings on our podcast. Thank you for joining if you're with us. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive right in. So welcome, everybody. And away we go, Ollie. How are so... you this week, Ginny? How are you feeling? How is life treating yes, you? How's lockdown treating you? I've got bad hair, don't care mood on at the moment. <laughs> I have no hair, don't care. It's got to that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an ongoing struggle with, with my um, lack of a hairdresser, but that's the least of our worries. Uh, work's going okay. We're actually going to give ourselves a week's holiday next week and have a pretend holiday at home because Boris Johnson said it's illegal to go on holiday so we're not going on holiday, we're just going to stay at home and light the fire and um, be cosy and have a rest. I know you can't do that if you're a parent, so I'm very empathic with your situation. But It's half term can... next week, so we get to just, I, I, I figured out they can make their own breakfast, I can make lunch the day before and put it in the fridge. Um, so I reckon I don't have to get up until at least four o'clock on at least one day <laughs> next week. They can amuse themselves. No teaching, no nothing. It's fine. They'll be all right. Good, good. Well, I hope you do get some rest because <laughs> I know it's still a struggle for parents who are homeschooling in this weird, bizarre times we're living through. Yes, it's certainly uh, it's certainly becoming testing. But hopefully a couple more weeks after half term and schools will start reopening, although we don't know quite how yet. So we'll we'll see what happens. But, you know, optimistically, mm -hmm. if my youngest goes back in two weeks, the eldest, she gets on with it. It's, the, the, her school's amazing. Um, yeah. If my youngest can go back at the first possible opportunity, I'll be a very happy uh, human being. Oh, good. Well, I hope for that too. So we've got the impeachment trial going on at the moment. We do. Have you have you had any time available to show I've, any interest in it? So <laughs> I, I I have switched off a little bit this week, which I realise doesn't help with a, a podcast that talks about current affairs. <laughs> but but like my music taste, maybe my current affairs are a little bit dated at the moment. I I did catch parts of the beginning. I saw some of the openings on day one the um the very emotional kind of montage and package that, that the um that those prosecuting put together to show how his words and then the actions of those and the kind of showing it all in real time was was interesting and then hearing the defense of number one them trying to say it wasn't constitutional which was never going to happen but then yeah, it it feels like his lawyers are. Uh, it's all a little bit last minute, so there's no cohesion between them. There's no real strategy, other than admitting that he did lose the election, and <laughs> which yeah. which this was all based upon. So yeah, it's from what I've seen of it, it's been a bit. You know, he he hasn't got a leg to stand on. They're not no. even presenting a leg or presenting anything that looks like a leg to stand on. But no. we know the outcome will still be the same, is there won't be a is it a sixty percent they need or two thirds mm. two thirds majority and they're not gonna get it. Mm. But I guess maybe it, it does need to still go down and be on the record and these things need to be there in history. 
Um, well, yes, and also as as many people have have said that it gives them a chance to actually put it in a timeline and educate the public as to what happened you know in in a very spectacular way in a slow way in a not in a soundbite way it's all joined up thinking it's all presented and um you know obviously everyone will say oh well there's bias but there's bound to be bias but um it was quite horrendous in fact i was listening to it all the way through and um i i felt quite an- anxiety from from just watching what had occurred and how it had been provoked and you know if you argue that his speech didn't have any effect then basically no inspirational thinker uh, speaker ever has any outcome from his speech because you know what is the point of a speaker in front of a crowd if not to instill thoughts and actions and, and deeds from from the motivational speaker and that is a as a known fact that's just but how I, it works especially with the warm-up speakers and all the other people that they dragged out to um get them all fired up i think the do you know when i was editing last week's podcast and I've noticed it a couple of times. I say I think at the beginning of so many sentences, so I need to try and select. When you hear yourself out, you go, oh, I, I, I do a lot of thinking. I don't actually know much. but <laughs> <laughs> So, I, so I, need, I need to rein that in a bit. It, it's funny when you, uh, you pick those things up. But I think that it would be nice if they... Um, because for me, it wasn't just about that speech and it wasn't just about that rally. It was about the last year of him saying, if Joe Biden wins, it will be a fix. So before they'd even made any allegations, they were saying it's going to be a fix. They're going to steal the election. You know, the it's not like he made that one speech that one day and he turned people into, you know, these people, it was, it was a tinderbox. It was growing and it was growing and it was like a pressure cooker more. And the pressure was getting their pressure. And what he did on that day, without much effort, he just let the pressure out of the pressure cooker. And that pressure went off. But it was pressure that he'd been building up for weeks and months, certainly even, you know, if, even if you just say since the election, but way before the election. So I hope they start concentrating on, because if you do take his words in isolation, even with the montage, I think you've got a good case to say, well, if, if you take it in isolation, well, you know, he never said to go and do this or, he, you know, he never really incited them. But the incitement had been done before that day. That day was just almost a kind of, you know, opening the gates at the race and kind of like, go, now you can do it. Let's march on the Capitol. That's all he had to say was, let's march on the Capitol. In isolation, those words are, let's let's protest. But with everything else that had built up to that day, let's march on mm. the Capitol took a much more sinister meaning. So I hope they mm. they concentrate on not just what happened on the 6th of January, but everything that Trump did leading up to the 6th of January with then the 6th of January in context, mm. if that makes sense. I just wish it does make sense. Uh, you're right. I just wish it was a court of law as in the same format where you can jump up and say objection and uh, leading the leading the witness and all those sorts of things. Because I feel like as soon as they GOP have got their platform and they can talk for an hour or four hours or 16 hours or how many hours they're allowed, um, they just go rambling on. 
And that guy, the first presentation for Trump's lawyer was awful. I mean, I was sitting there for ages thinking, well, get to the point, mister. <laughs> get to the point. You're wasting my time now. What is your fucking point? And it didn't get to the point, And it was just total bullshit, all of it. I, I didn't listen advantage... to the second one, so I was asleep. The advantage, without me thinking, the advantage of <laughs> of them being able to ramble is I think... Sometimes when you're when you're arguing with somebody or when you're in a debate, sometimes the best thing to do is just to let them speak when there's other people listening. Because the more they speak, the more silly they sound and the more circles they, they go in and the more incoherent they sound. And I think if you stop them after the first incoherent thing, people might not necessarily pick up on how incoherent it is. If mm. they have the opportunity to speak for one hour when you haven't really got any solid points to do with the thing, people soon start to realise, ah, you are just talking in circles or you're not talking... So sometimes that without challenge is a good way to go because it highlights everything yeah. else. And I think that a lot of the analysis I saw from Trump's lawyer's opening was, what are they, what are they talking about? And certainly the first guy, you know, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I think if he had been interrupted all the time, it then becomes, oh, well, you never let them speak. You know, you were even trying to cancel him and blah, blah, blah. Whereas the more he spoke, the more ridiculous he sounded. And I think it hits most people. Is it not? Yeah. Sycophants of Donald Trump are always going to be sycophants of Donald Trump. It doesn't. They, those guys could get up and say, well, they could get up, pull their trousers down, have a shit on the table and sit back down and they'll go, well done. See, see, they're, they're, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're, they're not going to change their minds. Yeah, but to the average person, um, in, in, in quote in brackets, they it will reach their ears as uh, they they are just talking in circles or they're talking nonsense or they're they're ignoring the the actual substance of what's being said. Mm. Yes, I mean that's very very interesting, and I agree with you that. Um, that is true. They they do, but uh, there's a tendency we we all have to shut our ears when we don't want to hear. And I was really I was really furious at the fact that there were some GOP GOP um, senators sitting upstairs with their feet up on the table, reading their papers, and not paying attention. I think they should be in contempt of court. Why aren't they in contempt of court? You know, why aren't they being made to sit and pay attention to this? Because they've decided already that they're not going to pay attention to it. It just feels like, what is this, some sort of kangaroo court? You know, why are they allowed to get away with that? I don't understand that. No, and I, it's, it is, it's disrespectful to the democracy that they, they um, say they hold dear. But, but again, I wouldn't. And I don't think we should get so hung up on those things because however they act, it doesn't change the facts of the case. It doesn't change the fact that, you know, we have to accept it's he's not going to get convicted. But the more we spend con concentrating on, you know, Ram Paul not wearing a mask or the performative nature of people reading papers with their feet up or anything like that, the less time we spend concentrating on the facts of the issue. And the reason they do the newspapers and resting back and things is so that 
people who disagree with them go, oh my God, look at what they're doing. So we, we play into their hands by by focusing mm. on that because that's what they want us to focus on because they know it's a strong case against him. Mm. They know it's a strong case or, you know, that no matter how they vote, the case against him is still very strong. And so they want to distract in any way they can. And when we get distracted, we play into their hands, I think. Ah, I left the mm. I think till the end of the sentence then. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on it when I listened to the last podcast. In fact, I really enjoyed it. I'd say it myself. I was very, uh, I enjoyed it. I don't normally Did you give it five feel, stars you know, on, uh, on Apple I didn't. Podcasts? And... <laughs> I didn't. I just thought, oh, it was fun. Oh, as long as we're having fun, that's the main thing. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. But, um, well, yes, I mean, it would be nice to see him behind bars. That's where I'd like to see him. And I I think there's a good chance that the New York uh, justice system is going to go after him anyway. And um, it'll just be, you know, as I say, the, the best thing that can come out of this is that people have been made to sit and watch in real time the reports of what happened. So it can't be swept under the carpet. There is evidence for each piece that they are using as evidence. And if you put it all together, it is a massive, a massive case. And I think that, like somebody was saying on a news report, that the the um, the crowd that were there unusually were not the normal makeup of a normal demographic for those types of rallies. And that I don't remember the exact figures, but something like forty percent of them were business owner types, and you know middle class. Uh kind of like i think those people were swept along in a situation almost to the point where they physically actually believed that they were doing the right thing by going to the capital to stop the steal yeah. and they were going to somehow by murdering pence <laughs> make it all okay <laughs> and i don't think I just don't think there was any joined up thinking going on with any of them. What they didn't see themselves as as um, domestic terrorists. No, they it, really didn't. <laughs> it's it's like any cult, and actually listening to so I, I I read up and listened to a lot about different cults, especially religious cults, but cults are the same. And it's a very similar pattern that when people are in them, from the outside, it's easy to look in and go, you are crazy. You are batshit crazy. You believe this stuff. But when you're in it, it does fit. And you're surrounded by people who are saying the same things and who agree the same things. And you do believe it. And you believe it with all sincerity. Most of those people, with all sincerity, with their hand on their heart, would say, I believe the election was stolen. Because they're in that thing. Everything they're hearing is telling them that. Everyone they trust is telling them that. But it's interesting to listen to the testimonies of people who are, who have kind of almost overnight like that became disillusioned and kind of went, ah, and almost their bubble burst of, oh, not, you know, the QAnon stuff is Q nonsense. It's not going to, uh, Trump's not going to stop it. He didn't have a big plan for inauguration day. He just got on the helicopter and Air Force One and went, you know, he didn't have a big martial law thing. And they were all waiting for this moment. And listen to those testimonies. You hear people kind of going, how could I have been so stupid? And they see it once the bubble's burst. But when you're in the bubble, people will do crazy, crazy things. And they should still be held accountable. I'm not saying that they should, you know, brainwashing means that they shouldn't be um, held to account. 
but it's it's interesting to hear the testimony of people on the other side when that bubble's burst. Mm. Well, you could sort of sort of argue that holding a view from any position is going to be a bias. So from whichever place you're looking, you you are um sort of making your ideas work in the what's the, do they call it the simulation that you see in front of you that you believe to be true and you're reading all the signs and you're listening to all the you know you're going down the rabbit holes that suit you and everything like that so it's hard to say to yourself right where can we put a sort of a, a line in the sand and say right that is not a simulation these are the facts this is against the law in this country and you have to abide by the law. And one of those laws is you don't go and climb into the Capitol building and kill people. And, you know, you can't get away with inflaming other people to do it on your behalf yeah, either. And I, th- I, th- I think that's the, the bigger thing, because, again... The, the people that did it, and not all of them, and again, I'm I'm no apologist for the for these people, but just from a psychological point of view, and 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 when you look at cults and things like that, many of them would have known what they were doing was against the law, but they make that moral judgment, and that moral judgment is, it's against the law, but I'm saving the constitution. It's against mm. the law, but I'm saving the country. And so when they weigh those two things up, because that's what they've been told and that's what they genuinely believe. So when it comes to being in the heat of the moment, in a crowd, in that atmosphere, with all of that months and months and months and maybe even years of brainwashing behind you, you go, yeah, it's against the law, but actually I'm saving my country. You see it as you being a hero in that thing now it's crazy and i don't agree with it and i say that doesn't mean they they should be let off because they've been brainwashed to that but i think the 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 reasoning and the rationality that we can bring into it a few weeks later looking in it's hard to have that rationality or maybe impossible or or that rationality is taken away from you when you're in that situation and you believe from the bottom of your heart what you're doing is right and that you're saving your country, even though it's bullshit and even though it's based on a lot of racism and white supremacy and it's based on a lot of very, very, very nasty things. Mm-hmm. When you truly believe it, I can understand, not agree with, but I can understand why they would make the decision to go in. And when you look at a lot of them, when they went in, they went in and they didn't know what to do because they were kind of in it and there was no plan for most of them. But for a lot, for some of them, there was a plan and they're the ones that he incited. It's, it's, mm. I think psychologists will talk about it for many, many years to come. The, the whole MAGA. Mm. MAGA phenomenon. Yes. Well, given that they believed that their cause was the right cause, that the, the election had been rigged, they were acting on that even against all of the evidence that had come from the 60 or more court cases that had been thrown out the door because there was no proof of rigging. And they still couldn't accept that it was democracy 
and that the people had chosen a different president and booted out their great leader and they couldn't accept that and they were still able to justify their action to take it on the back of all of this hyperbole that he was spinning out on Twitter every 20 minutes or 10 minutes and keeping the keeping the energy going because of course he had huge motivation to want to stay in power not only because he wants to be like King Jong Un and have everyone bow down to him but he he knew that as soon as he'd been kicked out the door he's going to get stomped on by all of the uh, judiciaries oh he's so, only ever out for himself that, that's for me that's almost the saddest part of it these people are fighting for somebody who couldn't give a shit about them Mm. And they're putting their lives in mm. danger and they're putting their freedoms in danger for many, many years. I, I think that... <laughs> I think. See, now I know it's a... <laughs> I, it gets me every time. They... It's all right for you to think, Ollie. Don't worry. I know, but just but just prefacing every sentence with it, I think, is a bit too much, I think. <laughs> they... Um, the, the trouble that was there is they weren't just hearing it from Trump. They were hearing it from all this sycophants Fox News Newsmax these other media organisations that have come up they were seeing it on Facebook and Twitter with the people they follow they were hearing it from people like Ted Cruz from other respected again in quotes air quotes senators and um, representatives they were hearing it from so many sources and so many what in normal times you would call reliable sources either directly saying it was stolen or through dog the dog whistle of you know well every co every every opportunity should be given to make sure it's a fair election and you know there was some corruption so we need to all of that talking around the issue where they they probably didn't believe there was corruption but spoke to what trump wanted to hear all of that it w so the fact that it wasn't just coming from Trump, the fact that it was coming from all of these sources, I think made it easier for people to go along with because when they did look outside of the Trump immediate bubble, they had their senators and their, their representatives also saying very similar things, mm. if in mm. a slightly more diplomatic way. And I think mm. <laughs> they... Um, <laughs> it's... Yeah, it, it, that, that's why I hope that they look at more than just one speech and a few tweets on one day. Because there's a lot of people that are as guilty as Trump. Yeah. Even if he was the figurehead, you know. The, the head of the so mafia too. very rarely has blood on his hands. I mean... It's, it's the henchmen that have the blood and that do the, the dirty work and that, you know... So I, I wonder. Mm. I know, when you think about the nations that are in turmoil because their democracy is very shaky, I mean, look at what's happening in Russia and Myanmar and the awful things that are, you know, true, true tyranny that is just overwhelming the population they don't have any way to defend themselves from it they're, they're five thousand people imprisoned in in russia and you know military takeover in myanmar and god knows where else on the planet as well and 
it's almost as if this this insurrection was sort of like a almost like a sort of um reality tv uh entertainment uh social medias uh just a snowball of of misinformation and not serious truth nothing um not a real thing for them to be getting up in arms about they was they were egged on to believe stop the steal and that if donald trump didn't win it was a fraudulent um a fraudulent outcome but even against all the proof that they were given they still chose to go along with their stupid notion and take it to those extremes and some people lost their lives and yet you see in other countries where democracy is seriously at threat and it's hard to it's hard to sort of get your head around how you know okay so all of those trump supporters thought they had to defend their democracy but it wasn't a real thing it's it was a fake thing that they were trying to defend and yet in russia there's people thousands upon thousands being locked up for even going out in the streets and daring to walk down the streets in defense of their liberty and their democracy and that is because there is no freedom so how do you get from like what's going on there and what's going on what what just happened to in this sort of almost like a I don't know some sort of um pandered to people you know they've been pandered to too much they've been given too much too much um misinformation and they're told that they have a right to be empowered they have a right to not lose they have a right to have their man in power they have a right to you know they kept kept saying you know we have to be careful to not disenfranchise the 75 million that voted for trump yeah but then by denying biden's victory you're disenfranchising the 83 or 85 or whatever it was million that voted for 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 biden you know it's but it it's it, it's partly a, a form of supremacy and it's a form of privilege that, you know, well, it didn't go my way. So, number one, I can do what I like. And then when I go too far, I can be the victim of it. That so, Well, mm. you know, what about the dis we have to come together for the disenfranchised people who voted for Trump who are hurting right now. Where mm. was that? Where was that? You know, you lost get over it, I believe, is kind of the things we've been told after Brexit and after Trump got into power you know where yeah. was that kindness and that empathy and that arm around the shoulder when it was on the you know it, it's it's all bullshit. i know and if you think about if you think about um if that had been a democratic gathering if that had been um biden up there telling everyone to go to the capital and stop the steal you know if they'd all been wearing blue hats and they'd all piled in there and they'd been banging down the doors you never hear the end of it. You never hear the end of it. And yet this has been like GOP. Oh, you know, it's, it was a month ago. It's old news. Let's just, you know, that wasn't really because, so bad. Because we That's... all remember them saying, oh, the black, any, any violence that happened at a Black Lives Matter march, okay, do you know what? It happened, but let's forget about it now. You know, they they didn't have the same concern when, when the, the violence was perceived to be on the other side. Um and and the funny thing about th that comparison that keeps being made is that the the storming of the capital was based on i didn't get what i wanted any violence that happens 
at a Black Lives Matter event or any event that's highlighting inequality is we have tried speaking, we've tried marching, we've tried everything and we are still being killed. Mm. And I think when you don't feel safe walking down the street because the person who's sworn to serve and protect might kill you and any frustration that boils over from that is classed as left-wing radicalization, Antifa, BLM, and is, you know, every the whole movement is demonized by a few violent acts, um, and yet when we see an attempted overthrow of government or of government structures and overthrow of democracy and calling for the the vice president to be hung and yet we're supposed to just go well they're a bit frustrated because they didn't get their own way yeah but that doesn't yeah. for some reason that doesn't invalidate the MAGA movement and Trumpism and all of those things you know they don't you don't hear them saying oh MAGA you know uh, and and completely using it as a, a derogatory term it is it's just funny how how the politics plays and it does depend on the the makeup of the people that are that are um in the movement yeah but then when you see actual war break out in internally like a civil war it's usually over something which is so diabolically bad there's so much feeling on both sides to fight each other to justify dying mm. in order to justify all of this, you know, the acts that they're they're taking. And you think, this is nothing, you know, okay, so they 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 were led to believe it was it was a stolen election. That's what it's based on. They were led to believe. And who were they led to believe it by Trump and his cronies who wanted to stay in power. And yet when he won the election in 2016, it was all all right. It wasn't a fake election result because he won it. And all of the people that got voted in that were voted GOP, that was OK as well. That wasn't fake. That was actually OK. It was only the fact that the Democrats got more votes that they didn't. Those were the bits they picked out that they didn't like about it. But um it's the complete it's denial bad. of reality is, is dangerous. And I think maybe here we, we're going to have some of this to come because when you look at the list of things that have gone wrong because of Brexit so far, you know, you've got all these people that were telling us Brexit wouldn't have any effect on Northern Ireland and it will be fine, who are now complaining about the barriers of trade between the Great, Great Britain and Northern Ireland um, because they were told there wouldn't be and all of these things and all of the things that we said were going to happen are now happening and... And all of those people that have spent four years telling us we have to get it done and, and that somehow have been put in a position where Europe seems to be the, 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 the or getting out of Europe, you'd think that's all they've ever thought about for the rest of their, all of their lives. When you look back at the, I think, 2010 election, the general feeling was that I think it, it was about seventh or eighth on a list of the things that people cared about, you know? It wasn't mm. a, a, with a small percentage you know even immigration was low down on the list but people were Do you know what were, were brought what up comes... into this 
this frenzy of believing that Europe is bad and we have to leave Europe and that they've always been Brexiteers, they've always thought that they well, most people haven't. And now reality is starting to bite that it and that do you know Project what all Fear that wasn't was? Project Fear, that it's true. It was propaganda. Yeah. It was pure and simple propaganda. And that's how propaganda works. They get a loud slogan that's easy to say and easy to remember and repeat and share. And that's how they did it. And they did it on those particular techniques of propaganda, same as Trump. And there are people that fall for it and don't think through any of it. And it's, I think, sadly, I think it's a trait of Boris Johnson and it's a trait of his government that it's say something now, it doesn't matter what you say, and we'll deal with the When the consequences come, we'll deal with them. And usually they're dealt, the consequences are dealt with by more lies or by more propaganda or, you know, that it'll be sold, that the things that have gone wrong with Brexit aren't to do with Brexit, they're to do with the pandemic. And, you know, there's this whole movement of the pandemic, you know, slowly moving towards blaming the public for the spread of the pandemic. And they're, they're almost there every day. They're rewriting tomorrow's history today. Mm. You know, they're rewriting what historians will say in the same way that Boris Johnson, when he was asked about his hobbies, made that ridiculous thing about I made buses, crates and, and I mm. made models. about, But so that when people in the future google or search for boris johnson and bus it comes up with he makes buses out of crates and not the fact that he lied about how much money the nhs would get you know it was all part of that rewriting mm. history in the present mm. and and it's a trait of him and his government and it's what's happening now and it's what's going to happen with brexit you know it's that kind of well, we don't even get the opportunity to say I told you so because they'll find out a way of making it sound like you mm. know we we never said it or what what's happening has nothing to do with well I guess Brexit. there's always been political spin but now there's social media on top of it and there's a recently been a David Bowie quote going all around social media where he was talking in I don't know 95 or yeah. 90 or whenever saying that have you seen that where he's talking about the internet and saying we've no idea the way this is going to impact on our culture yeah. and how it's going to change our communication for good and for bad and it was so perfectly describing the shit that's going on now because of it because all these people have got free speech and they're entitled to their free speech and they don't have to uh, fact check you could just go off of what they like, the, the headline. And that's where the difference is, because the idea of spin is you take the facts and you spin them, you know, you, you present them in a way, but you're still, we're all still dealing with the same basic facts. They're just being presented a different way, or some are being left out, or some are being highlighted disproportionately. But on the whole, we're still dealing with the same facts. What we're dealing with now is just lies and liars, and I think that's why it gets hard, because with spin, we could always go, yeah, OK, well, you could present the facts like that. Or we could take that exact same fact and we can actually apply it in this way and take it in a broader context. And this is what that fact, you know, could mean. And it would be a debate on ideas and ideologies and, 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 mm. and things. Whereas now you've got to start with saying, but, but that's not even true. And when mm. that's your starting point for a conversation where that's not true, when you can't agree on the facts... 
mm. let alone the spin on those facts. But when you can't agree on the, the kind of base level, then that's where it gets frustrating because some of us want to deal in truth and talk about that truth. And we may disagree about what that truth means. Mm. But when we can't agree on a fundamental truth, like Biden won the election, mm. <laughs> when your starting mm. point isn't, you know, it, it, it becomes impossible. So I don't know. I know we've spoken about moderation recently and things like that, but I, I don't know where where that stops and what the catalyst for doing better is. And as long as there's interested parties mm. like Nigel Farage always ready to make money off of the latest thing that people are pissed off about and is willing mm. to lie about it and do whatever his paymasters say, then I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to be bleak. I don't want to end on a bleak note, but I'm not sure where that ends or how we how we stop people well i can give us a cheerful note to finish on Let's that actually the new cons well the cons the conspiracy is that um there's a there's the whole world is being forced into this pandemic in order to bring about a change in the way we do economics and there won't be any cash anymore and it's all part of this big <laughs> new world order plan and i just don't understand how anyone can get their head around that the whole and, and world you know they've been is... saying this in one guise or another the whole new world order the bilderberg group the you know all of the david ike sort of stuff they've been saying that for about 30 years it's like um it's like biblical prophecy is often biblical prophecy is often held up as a seed the bible must be true because it prophesies this thing and then this thing happened but the trouble is the prophecy was very vague and the thing that happened was about two thousand years later and the prophecy was vague enough <laughs> to marry up this thing you know you can you can you can spin what happened to make it fit the prophecy and you ignore <laughs> all of the prophecies that haven't mm. come true by saying oh no they will come true they mm. just haven't come true yet and it's the same kind of thing with these conspiracy theories. They're all very vague. You know, they want a cashless society. Well, yeah, we we move forward in a place where we all pay by card or by contactless or whatever. Mm. That's mm. been happening for a long time. But mm. they can go, ah, see, but then if we put the pandemic in it, the pandemic was on purpose so that we could, we don't mm. use cash. So that was there. But if it's taken, I've been hearing about these kind of conspiracies for 25 years. If it's mm. taken some of the richest, most powerful people on the planet 25 years to get to a point where they might possibly have a slightly less cash thing, then they are next to incompetent. <laughs> you know, when you've got all that power and money and you can't change things, you're next to incompetent. So, yeah. Bless them. <laughs> Bless them. Yeah, well... Bless them. Well, we'll have to leave it there because we've run out of time. But uh, as usual, it's been very helpful to uh, be able to get all my things off my chest that I've been listening to and hearing this week. So Always a pleasure thank to you talk. For, thank you, Ollie. And thank you for listening if you joined us on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we hope to do many, many more. So many, many more. Let's look forward to that and hope that Ollie continues to think about everything. Yeah, no, I, I, I need to stop thinking sometimes, I think. I think I need to stop thinking. There we go, I'll leave you with that. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.